Welcome back to another episode of Marvel News Desk, your best place to keep with all the latest news and reviews and speculation concerning Marvel films and TV shows. We've got the whole gang back together talking intercontinentally today. We've got Adam and Rhiannon. How's it going, guys? Hi. I missed you so much. So, Rhiannon, uh, while we have you up front, I know it's later at night for you, do you want to tell the listeners at the very beginning about your Marvel travels uh, over in Great Britain? Sure. So, I flew across the pond. I've been over in Great Britain. Um, Went to Sunday of Wales Comic Con, where I got to talk to Charlie a little bit um, with the Save Daredevil crew. And saw a cool little panel with Charlie Cox and Haley Atwell, which um, never would have thought of those two being a fun panel together. But they're very, I mean, obviously they're two British actors in the MCU. And um, man, Haley, I've, I've tried to be sitting up straight, putting my shoulders back. Like her posture made me so jealous. Um, she's just so lovely. Um, yeah, and then I did some other travels that maybe weren't Marvel related, and am now in London, and we just got back from the Save Daredevil event that they did in London, which was just a little meetup. Um, it was near the theater where Tom Hiddleston and Charlie Cox are doing their play. I'm going to be seeing their play tomorrow night. Um, and they were definitely invited, but, uh, evidently between their matinee and their evening Charlie at least takes a nap, so he took a nap instead of hanging out with us, we assume. Um, And maybe he didn't forward the invitation to Tom. We'll never know. So, uh, yeah, I've been having some good times in London and Edinburgh and Wales and all over the place. What have you guys been up to? I am getting back to my normal internet habits. For a while there, I was way more informed on the next presidential election and rugby and the NBA playoffs and the NHL playoffs. I was consuming so much sports content because it was the only end game safe internet content that I could get on. And so uh, I was really into sports there for about a week and a half. But now it's just back to normal. How's Iowa, Adam? Oh, amazing. <laughs> you know the answer to that question. Why the hell did you ask? <laughs> Have you, now, are you guys getting good weather yet? Or is it still like chances? Oh, snow? yeah, it's... No, no, it's it's good. It snowed a little bit last week, but uh, it's good. No, yeah, that melted on impact. It's, I got the window cracked open today, so I mean, it's obviously not summer weather, but it's still not uh, freezing by any means. All right, let's go ahead. Let's jump in. Uh, our first news is uh, very interesting and unexpected, at least to me. Hulu has announced two more shows in addition to these cartoon shows. These are actually going to be live action. And we're going to get a Ghost Rider show featuring Gabriel Luna and a Hellstrom show about the Hellstrom kids. One of them's Damien. I don't remember the name of the other one. Um, Adam, did you know this was coming? Had you heard rumors of this ahead of time? Or was this as much a surprise to you as it was to me? Uh, No, very surprising. Um, hadn't heard any inklings. The only, you know, word on the street was all about Blade stuff, but that's all been generated from pretty much Wesley Snipes and his camp. Um, so, so that's kind of the thought process there. Um, but I mean, that's something that could still happen with this. Um, there are a lot of moving pieces, um, you know, and that's the thing. Each trade that got this press release kind of worded it. A different way um so we really don't know what the heck's going on with ghost rider um but yeah i mean bo- both of those properties are it's hard to imagine them being on hulu with runaways you know but at the same time they are probably the ideal properties for hulu um i mean i don't anticipate like uh arrowverse crossover with runaways by any means um but they should be able to get into some pretty dark and um, adult type stuff there. Rhiannon, do you have thoughts on either of these shows? I, you know, here's the thing. I feel like we've been hearing rumors about a Ghost Rider show for a long time and we've just written it off and not given it much serious 
uh, tension. Um, there's a lot of stuff in the Ghost Rider. I'm, you know, like I said, I just came from that Save Daredevil event, and they're looking at it really closely because it says a lot about how Marvel might be looking at rebooting characters, and because it's supposed to be like a soft reboot of the Gabriel Luna. Ghost Rider from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So are they doing that just so people don't feel like they have to go on S.H.I.E.L.D.? Are they doing it, um, you know, to give it a new life on Hulu? What what are they doing there? What's the possibility for other characters? Um, but obviously, I mean, I feel like we've had maybe, what, eight episodes with Ghost Rider? You know, he's not that well established. You can kind of tweak with him more easily. Um I mean, I could have lived without either, but maybe I'll get more excited when they're real. We had a bit of a back and forth on Twitter yesterday, at least I did, with Michael T. Ford. And it was like, as Adam said, like the, the trades were really different. I think it was Variety that said that this show has nothing at all to do. Like it's a completely new iteration, is what they said, and was not related to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And then Entertainment Weekly said... Well, it's not exactly a spinoff, but, you know, there's going to be, like, it's it's a similar character. Like, it seemed really like we were getting very conflicting information how connected or not it is to S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, I, and certainly we know we're getting a new setting. They're going to move it to Texas instead of Los Angeles. Uh, to me, it tells me a little more about what Hulu's going to become now that all this stuff is shaking out. Um you know, I mean, particularly Hellstorm is like, this is not like a light character. I mean, his comic's called Son of Satan. And I can see where that's totally not Disney Plus territory. But it just, it feels to me like maybe they're going to push a little more of the edgy stuff onto Hulu, which is kind of what we expected anyway. But I just feel like that's confirmation of kind of those expectations. Right, right. And that's the thing. I mean, Ghost Rider, they're moving to Texas. Um you would think they're probably going to redo that character's origins. Uh, because, I mean, if you look at Robbie Reyes's, um, you know, at least comic book origins, that's some very, very deep and gnarly and grotesque stuff. Um, that was certainly kind of, uh, I don't want to say dumbed down. Maybe it was dumbed down. It was um, reduced tenfold on agents of shield you know so that's some stuff you could go through it all comes down to i mean how how are they going to do these shows are they going to make hellstrom the uh uh are they going to make it like hulu's version of lucifer where it's kind of or like a constantine type deal where it's these it's like a fish out of water type scenario and it's just kind of like a dark humor type thing or are they actually going to have you know uh, Damon and Satana fight off demons and go to hell and things like that you know and it depends I mean they kept the defender stuff grounded but you look I mean look at last season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. when they did the the space stuff you know and even Runaways has been getting into more visual effects and practical effects with old lace and such so it totally depends I just don't want Ghost Rider to be in a Karnak type situation where the whole first season is Robbie trying to get the spirit of vengeance back because it left right to save on visual effects, that type of stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, there, there's some interesting ways they could take this whole thing. You know, if these two first seasons, uh, go off very well, uh, I mean, like I said, blade, I mean, this is when you can bring moon Knight into the mix. This is when you can bring, I mean, like a man thing, uh, you know, and also Bloodstone, all these monster type, uh, what else am I thinking of? I mean, it's the type of thing Morbius would fit in, you know, if, if he wasn't getting a movie, that type of occult um, characters. Well, and it does, it does interest me. It seems like these shows are definitely paired. I mean, they announced them together. I think we kind of assume that they'll cross over some. Uh, they even use the phrase Spirits of Vengeance, which is kind of like a team in the comic books that includes these characters plus Blade. Um, this is the second time now that Hulu is following a Defenders model, which I find really interesting because the Defenders didn't really work for Netflix. Like Netflix wanted this grand 
MCU film idea where you had all these different like um, franchises and then you brought them together. And then when they did, it just, I think both commercially and creatively, it was not what people hoped for. And so it's interesting to me that Hulu is like, oh, let's do the exact same thing for animation, even like riffing off the defenders with the offenders. And then like now this seems like it's a like a third try at this where they're going to try these like horrorish shows or these like demonish shows and then get them built up to maybe a spirits of vengeance. I just it's like Jeff Loeb is obsessed with trying to pull off the same thing Feige did. And so he's going to try it two, three, four times before it, you know, finally works out the way he wants it to. Right. And I mean, that comes out with, I mean, that comes down to like the creative team, right? Because there's been good seasons and bad seasons of all defender stuff. And it just so happened that the defenders show itself wasn't the best written piece of uh, television Marvel's ever put out. You know, I I can't remember if it's the Ghost Rider or um, Hellstrom showrunner was on the, sh- uh, not S.H.I.E.L.D. team, but the Lost team. Might have been both, actually. Um, but one of them was one of the, in, in the writer's room on Lost. So that gives me a little bit of hope, right? Because, I mean, save for a very controversial ending, I mean, Lost was a pretty solid show throughout its duration. It had, it had no direction. Um, um <clears throat> Lost was totally making it up as they went along. So that doesn't give me hope. But it does give me hope that, I mean, perhaps lessons were learned from the Defenders. And maybe Jeff thinks he can direct things in a better direction. Um, No, one of the showrunners, the showrunner on the Ghost Rider show had an interesting background. What was it? Um... It was, it was, because the, the Hailstrom showrunner is from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but Ghost Rider... I can look her up real quick. It's Ingrid Escajeda, I think you would say. Uh, she was a producer on Justified. Justified, well. that's it! And Justified is solid. That was. I thought that was such an interesting... I mean, she's probably worked on multiple things, but... I really liked Justified and thought that was an interesting place to be pulling a uh, Ghost Rider um, showrunner. Yeah, I'm really interested. The change of setting makes me wonder if they're going to talk more about um, like immigration and particularly like the plight of Hispanic communities along the border. Um we've kind of talked about how as Marvel has tried to diversify their movies that like a, a truly sort of like Hispanic superhero is something that Marvel films has not done. And I just get a slight feeling from some of the things they've said on this show that that's a space that Loeb and company are ready to fill up on the TV side that, you know, that they want to have Marvel's kind of first uh, major Hispanic character in a lead role. Um, and, you know, particularly keeping a Robbie Reyes, do, the fact that doing a Ghost Rider show, we haven't even mentioned it, but the fact that they skip over Johnny Blaze and uh, Danny Ketch and just immediately went to Gabriel, not Gabriel Luna, uh, immediately went to Robbie Reyes a second time is really interesting to me. It makes me wonder if that's the only one they have the right to do based on their agreements with Marvel Studios or if it's just that they really think, you know, the the... Um, Spanish-speaking, you know, Latin American kind of version is the most interesting and compelling for our, our world. I just think it's interesting that that's there. You know damn well, with the people in charge of television, they're just going to go all in and have it be Ghost Rider versus the Cartel or something of that nature. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's uh, that's got to be what it's going to be about. I, You know, and, and, and I mean, it's an interesting... If there's a lot of politics involved in any border issue these days, so will Disney be willing to go there? Will will that material feel old by the time it makes it to screen? Will how will they address any of that in this political climate? Jeff Loeb's like, 
I've got a couple of gang war seasons in my back pocket from Luke Cage season three and Iron Fist season three. Let's just change the gangs to cartels. We're all set. <laughs> right. And the biggest thing that surprised me is, I mean, we're pro- we're going to have uh, castings probably by San Diego, right? Because they're hitting, they said they're hitting 2020, so... Um, I mean, I would guess the writer's room have already been at work, you know? Yeah, that's moving pretty quick on that, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, I'd like to see something out of Hulu for these shows. I mean, at this point, they've greenlit another Runaways, these two shows, five animated shows, and we don't have any footage from any of it. Like, I get that they're working on it. It's not that I don't trust that they're doing it. It just, uh, at some point, I would like to see... Something to go along with, like, green lights that we actually see, like, what it's going to look like for any of these shows to appear. So, Yeah, like Keyard or something. That would be super handy. I think uh, one of the parents spoiled, I think, Season 3 starting soon, if it hasn't already. Um, I can't remember which parent on Runaways posted on Instagram. But something about filming shortly. All right, let's. Uh, there's just one or two more news things. We've got a lot to get to today. Um, I think maybe a big deal for Marvel that uh, we don't know the full impact of. Amy Pascal is leaving Sony after 30 years. Amy is important. She infamously is the one that threw a sandwich at Kevin Feige. Uh, her and Feige have been friends and were really the ones that hammered out this Sony Spider-Man deal. She also had a lot to do with the... Uh, Lord and Miller Spider-Verse kind of creation. Um, I know this took me off guard a little bit. She's been there a really long time, and she's had her most successful year ever there. So the fact that she's leaving now seems kind of interesting. Um, does this make you guys worry about the Spidey deal at all? That there's not the uh, the same Pascal Feige connection getting all this stuff uh, figured out? So this was interesting because earlier in the week, Lord and Miller signed their overall deals, right? So it would almost seem to me as if they've now become the new, uh, what do you want to call them? Not showrunners, but the new architects of this, what is, what's it called? Sony Universe of Marvel characters? I forget the something like that. The S-U-M-C, the sump. Uh, I don't know. That's Lord and Miller are staying with Sony, right? I know they signed an overall deal. I believe it was Sony. I would guess it's Sony. Um, yeah, it is because they, uh, they said that they're doing some uh, TV shows. Um, but, yeah, it's just peculiar timing that those two signed their overall deal. Then days later, Amy Pascal has left. Um I mean, if Lord Miller didn't re-up or or sign their deal, it would almost be like, hmm, I wonder if this is now when Disney makes a play, right? For Lord and Miller? Not Lord Miller, for Spidey and company. Oh. I don't know. They've spent a whole lot of money on a whole lot of other things. I don't know if there's too much uh, liquid cash sitting in the pockets. But right so, so we said, I mean, we said that about Fox, right? So Disney just hired Raven Mensner for two years to develop stuff for Disney Plus. Breaking news. Whoa. Is that like happening as we're recording? That's, That's cool. That's what my correspondent just brought over here and shared with me. <clears throat> <laughs> <clears throat> wow. So. That's really that's gonna put those the save Iron Fist people into total overdrive, right? I mean, I, I assume that they'll immediately jump to you know, uh, that possibility. Wait, there's save Iron Fist people. So here's the thing, Adam. <laughs> well, there's you, Adam. Hanging. I don't. I mean, I'm not. I would. I wouldn't even consider myself save Iron <laughs> Fist. Like, I totally get why it was canceled. Hanging out with the Save Daredevil people today, Adam. They wanted to tell you that they did save Iron Fist, and then we get this news. <laughs> like, maybe they weren't joking. So let's yeah, let's talk about Disney Plus real quick. The other little bit of news that I saw was that um, uh, we're getting more official confirmation. Uh, there's talk that WandaVision is going to be a six episode show, about an hour long. So. And this is generally what they're going for with these Marvel shows of six to eight uh, episodes long. 
Uh, does that feel about right? Does that feel too short? Were you guys excited to see these new um, MCU things on Disney Plus last about that long? What do you think, Rhiannon? I refuse to recognize it unless you refer to it as WandaVision. And I think about six episodes sounds right. I thought we've always known it was around six episodes. Um, yeah, I just, I don't know. I have a news story here that that was made more official, I guess. I don't know. Okay. Six episodes of WandaVision. We'll see how that goes. Yeah, this is part of an article that says, uh, also is saying that these these are separate contracts. So there's uh, THR did a whole deal about how actors are compensated for the MCU. And one of the things they said is that when you get a Disney Plus show, it's not like they trade out one of your films for a TV show or two of your films for a TV show or whatever. It's a totally different contract that's in addition to your film contract. And so I think kind of the gist of the article was that it gives even more incentive to these guys. Being part of the MCU is becoming more and more lucrative for actors. Um, and so uh, that's where this uh, kind of came out, the, the way the deals were structured. Adam, you think six episodes is about right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a hell of a lot better than 13, I'll tell you that. Um, yeah, even then, I mean, what's the shortest... MCU movie. Uh, two hours is right about around a movie, right? That's not an Avengers flick. Um, so, I mean, that's still... We're roughly talking about a trilogy for each character, in a sense. You know, so it's... It is what it is. And it will be interesting to see if they are... I'm not sold on the fact that they'll be binge releases, right? Because The Mandalorian is not a binge release. Um, or at least it won't be binge worthy or a binge release at launch i think what one or two episodes maybe i don't know um but yeah six to eight that's fine uh what else well the one thing that did get eight episodes certainly didn't uh probably could have used a couple more episodes um but then again it just comes down to uh creative control um you know, with actually Marvel Studios producing this stuff, I mean, there's no reason to believe they couldn't execute a really nice series within six to eight episodes. Yeah, I like a small episode count because I think it helps budget. Uh, my assumption is that they think of each of these seasons as a month of subscribers. And if it's six episodes or it's ten episodes, it's still, all, you know, I guess that depends if they release them all at once or not. But still, there's not that much of a financial benefit, I think, differently from 6 versus 10. And so if you want to condense it into 6 and spend a lot, you know, the money you'd spend on 10 that you'd spend on 6, that's great. You know, like if there's an overall concentration of budget, I'm in favor of that. Because it's important, I think, that these things feel like they have movie budgets. Um, all this, this idea that these are MCU Marvel Studio entries is going to be undercut if they look like they're TV filmed. And so I think it's important they keep the budgets up on them. Right. And the thing is, I mean, we have no reason to believe that they're going to pull the whole G word on this, right? There's no reason to believe Feige's going to say, hey, let's let's keep these shows grounded, right? Because even in it, we have yet to, we haven't really seen Wanda's full skill set. I mean, Endgame's probably the best look at it. Kind of. Spoiler alert. Ah, we don't need to take spoilers yet, dude. No, I mean, if if you're watching this, you're going to... It's going to be spoiled. I mean, I'll put a, a warning in the title or whatever, but... But, you know, we haven't really got the chance to do that, so it's hard to imagine that this isn't going to... Uh, the series isn't going to deal with that. You know, even more, I have no idea how Vision's going to be involved. Um, but there was, what, what's the character's name? Agatha something? The old witch? Oh, really? There's talk of that? Well, I don't know. There's not talk of that. Someone on Twitter, it might've been Charles that said something. I'm not sure if they were going to include her or they couldn't because the Fox deal wasn't done. But now, now that that's done, you would think... The question should be raised, though, right? Is it actually going to be titled Falcon and Winter Soldier? Yeah, it'd be real interesting if it now became Captain America and the Winter Soldier. 
The only thing is that sounds way right. too much like the movie title to me. Right. Just name it Captain America. Or you could do Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I mean, and just give, I don't know. We'll see, I guess. Because they, they did, well, they did do the, uh, they went to the length of, remember when they released that Serpent Society logo? So they've went to the length of creating the branding of it before, right? So maybe. Uh, only other bit of news that I had here. This is really old, but we never talked about it, so I feel like I should mention. Uh, Fox has canceled The Gifted, which is not a show we talked about too much here. I think I was the only one of us that kept up with it. Uh, after giving it 25 episodes of my life, I'm kind of sad now. I mean, you just get into any characters that are around that long. And so uh, I was kind of surprised and bummed that was gone. Um, but it was one that just really drastically fell off in the rating. So it's understandable. That um, every person I've talked to that's watched The Gifted said that they're bummed. Yeah, I, I got to where I really liked it. I got to where I liked some of the things they did. Um, and they also, I mean, they were, they kind of had a tease at the end of the last season for... Um, kind of a days of future past time travel kind of thing, which I think was going to be interesting. Um, and then, yeah, then they just, it was gone. So just think in a matter of months, what's, when's Legion coming out this summer, right? Yeah. So, I mean, new mutants is going to be the last, the last strain of mutants left in live action. All right, uh, let's go on to talk about trailers. Um, Adam, I think we might have to have you not talk about this because the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. trailer came out today. But you've actually gotten to see Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., haven't you? Mm, perhaps. <laughs> perhaps. Okay. Well, that's, so we're not going to talk to you. We know you have contractual obligations not to talk about it, so I'm going to talk to Rhiannon. Rhiannon, uh, you saw this trailer for S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, what were your thoughts on watching... Uh, the trailer. It's looking really interesting. Um, did I see ashes? Did I see dusting? Or was that just something getting blown up? It it was weird. It was like Coulson had a, a dusting machine, which was kind of, and not by the, I don't mean like a Roomba. I mean like, it was like he was on an alien planet and they were like just turning the whole thing into dust, which was interesting. It looks good. I I don't know. It's going to take a lot to make the season feel worthwhile. And, like, it shouldn't have just ended at that really good spot where it did a year and a half ago. Um, but I liked it. I thank God for Deke. Because uh, it's just so dark. Um, but the gang seems to be back together. And... I don't, yeah, yeah, I'm just glad that they have Clark Gregg back. I mean, I know, like, zombie characters are no fun for some of you. Um, but I really like Clark Gregg. I like Coulson. I'm glad they're finding a way to work Coulson-ish character back in. Uh, as far as what they're doing and where they're going, I haven't had much time to think about that. So, you mentioned Coulson. I'm really sold on Clark Gregg's villain voice. Like, he actually seemed like he would be somewhat menacing. And so, you know, bringing him back, I, I'm more excited about bringing him back in that he's going to be able to do something he's never done before. And so just what I saw in the trailer kind of sold me on this idea that he could play a good villain and a compelling villain. And I think that's exciting. Uh, my other big takeaway from it was it just looked really cinematic. Um, you know, just from what I saw, you know, I watched it on a phone or whatever. It looked well-made. It looked expensive. Um, particularly some of the shots with, like, his semi-truck where he's, like... I don't know. For me, it just looked like he was, like, mad maxing it, like, across the countryside and, like, knocking stuff over and blowing stuff up. There were just several shots that I looked at and I was like, that doesn't, that doesn't look like a cheap Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., like, special effect. And it goes back to what we said earlier. Like, if part of going from 22 to 13 is that they reduced nine episodes, but they didn't get rid, you know, but they only reduced the budget 25% or whatever. I don't know how any of that works, but if less episodes means special effects concentration, I'm all for it. Cause everything looked good. The spaceships looked good. Uh, 
the um yeah i mean everything just seemed to fit really well and so um that was yeah that was exciting to me and uh, i still uh, they left us in such a good place that like the lighthouse like gave me positive feelings i was like oh i remember the lighthouse i kind of liked the lighthouse so oh, i kind of liked the last season like i'm as the show's gotten better and better and better i feel better about coming back to it every time so uh i think that's that was all really exciting to me um and I guess we'll just see. I don't feel like we know a lot about the plot. It seems like some of them are going to go after Fitz, which is good. I kind of hope that's quick. I got a shot or two that made me hope that they were going to get Fitz out of the ice pretty quick, which would be great. I don't really want 13 episodes of Simmons in space looking for a you know space carcass somewhere. be nice if they wrapped that up quickly, got the team together. But generally, it looked. I, I I was really excited about it. I'm excited for it to come back. Cool. Um, can we talk a little bit about Cloak and Dagger? Are you guys? I, I haven't even asked. Are you guys caught up or not caught up? Uh, I was before you interrupted me with this podcast. Well, that's what I was doing. I should say. What am I? I'm through four, kind of. I can't remember. I might be on five, so I might be caught up. Did you do the episode in the mall? Oh, well, there's not a whole lot for us to talk about then. (laughs) It turns out Adam hasn't watched any more than you have, so there's no reason for us to talk about it. (laughs) I'm sorry, guys. No, you've been on vacation. I can't stream. I can't stream normal stuff. Oh, yeah. You can't believe what it took for me to watch Game of Thrones. Well, anyways, we'll get get back to Cloak and Dagger eventually. Uh... I'm absolutely loving it, and so... Are you? I'm, I'm not ready. digging it so far. Oh, it's so... Ugh. Just, uh... All the episode where they go to the mall, I just think it's really clever. It's really smart. W- one of the things I love about Cloak & Dagger is that they take their limitations as far as budget and stuff, and they make the most of what they can get done with it, which is awesome to me. Like, they don't let it be a limitation, they just, they're creative around it, so... Anyway, let's all right. Let's talk about Endgame because uh, we have not done that all together. Uh, another week has passed. Um, did you guys like it? Yeah, I th- we we did. <laughs> it was all right. So, um, how many times have you seen it? Three, twice for me, and I'm just at one. But you know. At least I got that one time in. Yeah, you've been living real life. Let me ask this one, this up top. Have you guys thought at all about, like, ranking? Like, do you have a sense of how you feel about this compared to other Marvel movies? I think ranking. I think this movie made me like Infinity War less, maybe? Because, I mean, at the time, Infinity War was a spectacle, but even then, it wasn't Endgame. You know, I would... I think it's a top three. It's probably it's probably competing with Ragnarok and Infinity... Yeah, I would probably at least put it two on my list. One or two, I should say. I have to see it again before I can rank, because I don't know... You guys tell me that the time travel stuff gets better when you see it again. Um, and I have a really hard time looking over issues with time travel. So, okay. So it, it, even, I I mean, I think we made it way too complicated, right? So how Banner, what, what Banner say? Banner says when he's explaining it to Scott and Rhodey and who else is in there? Clint's maybe looking on. You go back in time, and then that time is now your new future. Like, you can't change. There's no butterfly effects involved, right? Am I am I explaining that right? It's, it's not... So they, they took away pretty much any rule of time travel, and they said, you can go back in time whenever you want and do whatever you want because that is now your new future. And it won't change the current timeline. But then you could come back to the past, which is completely unaltered from your stuff. So, more than anything, it's pretty much you're not making re- it better, Adam. <laughs> so you go from 
how am I trying to say it? You can't, you can't like ruin anything by going back in time. You just go back in time, and that's your new future. But then you can't go that's back. That's fine. Like timeline A. So it's, I mean, it's it's not time travel, is it? It's more of like dimension hopping, like alternate realities, right? Yes, but they didn't call it that. They called it time travel. So here, here's my thing. It It is time travel. I think it's really helpful just to think about like a tree. Like I loved the Ancient Ones uh, line demonstration. I think was great is that you're on this line and you can go back on that line. But the moment you make any decision of any consequence on that line, it creates a separate tree branch. And then that separate tree branch is a new universe that is different because of that one change. So Steve went back and he stayed with Peggy Carter, creating a new tree branch. Correct. Yet somehow that tree branch left him on the bench of the trunk of the tree. So the Russo brothers fixed this very well. They were asked exactly about this. And they said, yes, Steve created a new reality when he went back to live with Peggy. And they said, well, how did he end up back in the other reality then? And the Russo brothers go, that's a little mystery we left for you. Is what an interesting story it would be to find out how Steve got from the alternate he married Peggy reality back into the prime reality. And they admit that that is a reality jump that they have not explained and that maybe someday someone else will. But they admitted that it was not, Steve was not just alive in the prime time, the prime timeline, that he did create an alternate universe when he married Peggy. And then he universe jumped from Peggy marriage universe to the original storyline of the MCU. Does that help? Sure. (laughs) Side note, at the Wales Comic Con panel, Haley Atwell, who had not yet seen Endgame, said that... Somebody asked her if she, if Peggy Carter should end up with Sousa or Cap, and she said both. So either she, <laughs> yeah. So she's creating her own branches, or a threesome. Her own fan fiction <laughs> sounds like to me. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the biggest critique I have with her is that she did not see Steve standing on the other side of the window. Right. She oh, was yeah. busy. She was busy. But he was like, his nose was like on the glass. Like he was scary close. Speaking though, speaking of the glass and the blinds, have you guys seen this thing about the closed captioning on that scene? About the uh, Captain Britain stuff? Yeah. So she speaks and you can't tell the audio, but if you are watching the like hearing assistance thing or whatever that like gives you dialogue... Apparently what Peggy's talking about is a missing Captain Braddock, which is the name of Captain Britain. And it's potentially letting us know Captain Britain's coming. Ooh. I'll go look for him in London. <laughs> he wears a big uh, Union Jack flag. Not, it, not It's not real subtle. I mean, it's, it's less subtle than Captain America, I think. <laughs> Doesn't everyone wear that in London or not? No, I, don't, I have I don't not seen so. anybody walking okay. around in just a Union Jack flag. Or any... Um, Shelby, we need to be on the lookout for a guy wearing a Union Jack flag. I just, the way you said just a Union Jack, it suddenly went from <laughs> Captain Britain to loincloth in my mind. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I did really enjoy, though... I like that they set up the rule that you can't change the future. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, they said, when we go back into the past, we cannot change right now. We can't stop Thanos. Because that's really the easy way to do things. And that was, I love that they didn't go there. Which, by the way, they went through, like, every single pop culture time travel theory there is. Except Outlander. And that is pretty much Outlander. You can't change the future. Okay. I mean, you can't change you know, up until now. So, you know, they were like, it's not Back to the Future rules. It's not. I don't remember what all the others were, but um, it is Outlander rules. So there we go. Uh, to me, that's a huge fix that helps everything work better 
is like, we're not going to go back and we're not going to change stuff. Nebula doesn't disappear when she shoots her, you know, herself. Like to me, that just, we, we talked a lot on this show about how will time travel work. And to me, that was an important piece to making it actually work pretty well. And that helps explain why Fitz is still alive. Right? Ish. Hmm? I was thinking about this actually just today. Uh, the time travel logic of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a totally different time travel logic than Endgame. And I know that the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. like hardcore fans will say, oh, you're nitpicking, it doesn't matter, who cares? But a continuity hardcore guy like me is really disturbed that time travel works differently in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. than it does in Endgame. You know, like, this, this should be the same universe, it should work the same it seems to suggest to me that the screenwriters of AOS, as we assumed, had no contact with the Endgame script whatsoever. So how's this going to work, guys? So, I mean, Nebula's still alive, so are you, you're to, is she still going to have, like, these convulsions with every other Nebula in the past? Right? Now, see, I always took that, people have talked about that, I just took that to be a, um, they have space internet, like, they have space Wi-Fi, and that you have a devoted network to different systems, and Nebula has her own intergalactic Wi-Fi signal, and as soon as she got dropped into this new reality with the other Nebula, they were sharing the same Wi-Fi, and that's how they can see each other's memories. But there has to be physical proximity for that to happen. Which is totally possible, which then would start a whole other catastrophe, pre-2014 at least. Yeah, I mean, what I, I do love the offshoot universes. This suggests there is a offshoot universe now where Loki has the, the the space stone, which maybe is what the Loki show is. There's a offshoot universe that has no Gamora, no Nebula, and no Thanos, uh, which is an interesting offshoot universe, you know. Uh, there's there's lots of like little offshoots that they created that would be different than ours. But uh, by the way, we didn't talk about this last week. Do you think Gamora, do you think 2014 Gamora is still running around in our prime timeline? Yeah, and that's what Guardians 3 is going to be about, which is kind of lame. But Do you think that's lame, Rhiannon, or is that interesting to you at all? I thought Guardians 3 was going to be about Asgardians of the Galaxy, and we it was just going to be like two hours of um, Quill and Thor bantering. Or like Thor, competing, or Thor doing a bowflex was my idea, but <laughs> yeah, 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 bowflex, taking turns at the bowflex. Um, I hadn't actually thought about evil Gamora, but I mean, it'd be a little heartbreaking. I think it'd be really interesting if Gamora never this Gamora never comes around to Quill, like he has a relationship with her as a friendship, but it never goes to the romantic place. I do feel like. Adam, they can fix Gamora. Like, we talked about how they changed Gamora so much from the comics. I feel like we have a chance now to have, like, crazy, like, hardcore assassin Gamora once more that we've never really had before in these movies. Good. That would be excellent. I mean, that's the thing. That's the biggest. Well, see, I her and uh, what would be even more interesting if they did the her and uh, Nova romance. Right, even if Quill was still around, like if they ended up going back to Xandar and Guardians Three to find out Gamora has been like shacking up with uh, Richard Rider, that would be amazing. Um, that would just be so dope. But yeah, I, I mean, in the comics, she's the deadliest woman in the galaxy, and uh, that's not really something we've gotten entirely across. Um, but then again, I mean, they also totally destroyed Ronan in the very same movie. Let me ask this. We've talked a lot about what we love about this movie. Uh, what did you guys not like? Were there any things in Endgame that didn't work for you as you've been kind of reflecting back on it over the last week? So I, I said this in my commentary for last week, and I've evidently mumbled it a lot on the streets the past few days. Um, I don't like Jeremy Renner. <laughs> I, I just don't, I just don't, there's, there's booing coming from the other room. I don't know if you guys can hear it. Yeah. Um, I just 
don't. And they didn't give me the deaf Hawkeye that could have redeemed it, even though they put him in the middle of a big old explosion that fell on his head. Um... I, I just I'm hoping when I rewatch it the the Black Widow Hawkeye fight to the death um comes off more emotionally but I just I can't I, I don't know I, I, I was always sort of on the fence on Jeremy Renner Hawkeye, but now I don't like him. Yeah, when I listened to that last week, Rhiannon, where you said that you you know that fight didn't mean much to you. I was sitting here like, well, she's emotionally dead inside. Because it really was, like, <laughs> resonant for me. Like, Was it? Yeah, the Hawkeye-Black Widow fight? Uh, oh, I don't know. I mean, it got... To me, it gets worse on repeat viewings. So I don't Ooh. know about... Uh, I don't know. It just... The stakes didn't, weren't there. Right? I yeah. don't know. I mean, Caleb, yeah. you and I talked about it last week. You know, it just didn't feel like black it didn't feel like i was super attached to black widow for her to die in the exact same way gamora did you know i don't know it's just i didn't feel it at least it may have augmented it that the second time i saw it i had an eight-year-old for whom black widow is her favorite character next to me and so well, that uh, would make it yeah, yeah yeah she was she was pretty <laughs> I was like, are you going to be okay over here? You know, like there was difficulty breathing amongst the, you know, sobs. Aww. So <laughs> she was pretty into it. Yeah. Um, oh, that's so sad. Hey man, I, you know, I always say a good movie is one that makes you feel something. So, but no, I, I think what I appreciate about, I, for me, the connection goes back to what Whedon did with those two. Where and we didn't. This is one of the things that he best developed in Avengers and in Ultron, is that Nat was just was lost. Like she was a per- person that felt like a total worthless monster. And Hawkeye looked at her at the midst of her worst moment and said, "No, you're a worthwhile human being. I don't care what you've done." And the fact that she could do that for him in return, to me, I think, is very touching. You know, the idea that no one's so so far gone that they're not worth redemption, redeeming. Um, which is part of the reason I wish that there would have been a little more of the Ronin stuff. Because, I, I don't know, if they had, like... They would have never done this. But if Ronin had, like, killed a kid or something in that movie to, like, really make him feel more morally reprehensible, then I think that maybe that scene would have hit a little harder. But that's just my thought. Adam, did you have something that really didn't work for you in Endgame? Something that really didn't work... I mean, the, that sequence is probably something on the, at the top of my list. What else really didn't work? Well, we talked about last week the the Iron Man, Iron Man part. Uh, I don't know. There there were two lines where I almost cringed. What was the other one? Um, yeah, I, sue me. I wasn't a huge fan of Iron Iron Man. And the other one, what was the other really, really corny line? I don't recall. It was. It almost came across almost like a Martha-type moment to me. I can't remember what it was now. Do you remember any lines that stick out to you as being less than stellar? I can't remember what the hell it was. Uh, it, was it wasn't the Captain America, I could do this all day. It's like no, yeah, no, you like no. That it one. wasn't okay. no, no, no. It wasn't that. It might have been during the time travel uh, explanation part or something. I don't know. I'll have to look back. There was outside of Iron Man. I am Iron Man. Wasn't corny. I guess it, I don't know. It just didn't land right. And I've kind of come around to it after your explanation last week. But there was one other line um, earlier on in the movie that was just so bizarre. It kind of took me out of the element for a little bit. Um, yeah, I can't remember what it was, darn it. So just as a side note, um, you mentioned, you mentioned something that made me think of this. Uh, I was realizing as I went back, you know, there was a lot of surprising choices in this movie. Like the addition of Jarvis, I think was really surprising and exciting. The fact that they went back to Thor, the dark world felt a little surprising, but the more I looked at it, Marcus and McFeely, totally just added everything from their time 
Like, right. why, why go back to the Dark World? Because Marcus and McFeely wrote the Dark World. And so they put their own movie back in. And why make Jarvis the TV character that crosses over? Because Marcus and McFeely created Agent Carter for TV. And so they wanted to put their character. Like, I tweeted out this week, a lot of those fan service moments are actually, actually just Marcus and McFeely, like, drawing attention to their own work. Which I don't blame them for, but I thought it was... Uh, those decisions all make a lot more sense when you look back and see, oh, that was all written by those guys, you know? Right. Which is shocking to think, right? The guys that wrote the two highest grossing films in the MCU also wrote arguably one of the worst movies in the same universe. So, I mean, what was the dark... I can't... I, I'm not even sure how. when's the last time I did watch The Dark World. Um, we were talking about that earlier today. Like, who's gone back and rewatched Dark World? Or we were talking about it yesterday. Like, I didn't even recognize Jane Foster. But oh, that was, that was reused footage, Caleb, by the way. It- yeah, I saw it back in November when I did my rewatch with my kiddo. But um, I don't know. I've I've always kind of liked Dark World a little bit more than other people. I don't think it's great, but don't you dare say you like better than Ragnarok. I don't. I don't. No worries. Don't you dare say that. All right. So things we didn't like. I have three nitpicks that are ridiculous, but they bother me. First of all, it bothers me that the snap happens at the same time everywhere around the planet. We talked about this oh, on geez. Slack a little yeah. bit. Yeah, It's bright as day in Eastern Africa. It's hot dog eating time in Iowa. And it's sunny and bright in San Francisco. There is no point at any day on the calendar where it's fully sunshining in all three of those places at once. It just cannot happen. And it drives me crazy. And it's the first thing I thought as the movie started. Why isn't it dark here? Because it's the middle of the day in Wakanda, and they're eating, you know, like, at the very least, it's breakfast time. It's not hot dog and mayonnaise time. Anyway, that was bothersome to me. That, no, that could work. So let's say, let's say the sun was still up in Wakanda during summer. So what, we're talking like 8, 9 p.m. maybe? This is part of what makes it hard, is if it's, it would have to be, in Wakanda, it would have to be our winter time. Because it's on the other half of the hemisphere so even if you give them summer it has to be a shortened day up here in north america ah gee okay well maybe all right maybe there's time travel involved a time bubble so what you were gonna say what eight o'clock in the evening do you really think the thanos battle happens at eight o'clock in wakanda in wakanda sure why not because then in new york that would be what three in the afternoon yeah, I mean, I guess you could just barely fit it in if, like, if Scott and the crew are at, like, 10 a.m. in San Francisco. Yeah, why not? That seems like something you'd get up bright and early for, right? Because, I mean, it's, I mean, in Iowa, first of all, it drives me nuts because Iowans call lunch dinner. And it's not unheard of to eat dinner here at, like, 11 a.m. So they could be, even before that a little bit, they could be grilling some burgers between 11 and noon, which would put San Francisco, I mean, they're scientists, they've probably been up since 5 or 6 a.m., you know, they're at the parking garage at 7 or 8, you know, it's possible. I mean, it just, it stretches it, it bothers me every time I see it. Um, Then the second thing that really bothered me, this is so dumb and nitpicky, the scene where uh, Rocket ruffles uh, Ant-Man's hair and, like, pets him like a dog. That special effect shot does not work. Like, there's something about it that feels really artificial. And both times I've seen it, I was like, oh, that doesn't look right. That's stupid. Uh, the other little continuity thing that bugged me is um, at the end, when they're watching the Tony hologram, Tony says, if you had told me ten years ago... That we were not alone in the universe. I wouldn't have believed you. But he's saying that in 2023. 
and the invasion of New York happened in 2012. So he had already experienced the Shatari invasion 10 years before that line. I think they really, they were thinking about the Marvel 10 year anniversary instead of thinking about the time of the narrative. Like Tony should have said, if you told me 15 years ago that there were aliens, I wouldn't have believed you. These are all very stupid things, but things that on second watch really bugged me. <laughs> when did um, when did the third so the third act fight took takes place in twenty twenty three, right? Yep. No, this it's so bizarre. I, I mean, it's clearly an oversight with Far From Home, right? Like Tony's class, whole entire class surely didn't dust, right? I mean, is that what the basis of Far From Home is going to be? Is that I don't know. Yeah, supposedly Peter's entire class dusted. Or everybody that we're going to see dusted. Everybody that matters. Flash and Ned and... uh, Mr. Sunday Movies has also suggested it's possible that Ned's just really stupid, too. And that he's gotten held back five years in a row. (laughs) No. (laughs) Peter Uh, wouldn't hang out with somebody that stupid. Alright, any other endgame thoughts that you guys have had this week as we've processed and thought about all this stuff so my plan is um i think we've done gone through this all pretty thoroughly at this point um what we haven't talked too much about is what this sets up for the future i think there's things that sets up for loki and the captain and uh, the falcon and um winter soldier show i think it sets up things uh you know we we can talk about Spider-Man Far From Home, Black Panther 2, Doctor Strange 2, all that kind of stuff. So I think next week what we'll do is we'll just look ahead. Okay, now that this has happened, what where does this leave us as far as the upcoming movies? And so we'll do a look ahead to Phase 4, I think, next week. Um, just pulling up our mailbag real quick. Preto on the website thinks that Pepper has been practicing being rescue. We talked a little bit ago about how she just jumped into the suit and was ready to go. So he thinks that she's been practicing being rescue for the last five years. Uh, He thinks that there's also enough time in that five years to herd a Pegasus in New Asgard as well. I don't know how you herd an animal that doesn't exist on Earth, but okay. Uh, And he was hoping to see Goose uh, hanging around... In 1970, but of course that did not happen. I was bumming, I don't know if we talked about this last week, I thought Annette Benning would be a perfect fit to be in that 1970 scene somewhere, so. Ooh, yeah. Alright, uh, also uh, we got uh, Michael T. Ford asked us a question via the winner, uh, oh, uh, so what if WandaVision, he actually puts the, uh, the accent on the O for you, Rian, I don't know if you saw this. <laughs> So what if WandaVision involves Wanda using barf to access a virtual vision consciousness? I thought that was kind of exciting. Like the idea that it's called WandaVision is because it's her reanimating vision in a very twisted kind of way. Does that interest you guys as a concept? Not, yeah, not entirely. I mean, remember when we thought barf was going to be a huge thing in Endgame and it had no part in it whatsoever? Yeah, that is interesting. That seemed to be a false thing that they set up for us. So, I like the idea. So Scarlet Witch in the comics, they've always flirted with the idea of like, what if someone this powerful sort of lost her like connection with reality? The idea that like over time her grief over Vision would cause her to like recreate him in a way that was really Frankenstein-y and not very safe and then tied into some of that Tom King stuff. I think that's exciting. Like this idea of like a homicidal robot that's living with this mentally unstable Omega force mutant, I think sounds interesting as far as the concept goes. Just, I don't know if they'll want to take her that far. I love what you just said. Do you think that could lead into the reverse house of M? Because, I mean, she's pretty close on a a mental breakdown, right? What happens if she does the freak out, but instead of taking the powers away, she's the one who creates mutants? I've heard people suggest that. It could be interesting. Yeah, I've heard people think that that, that Reverse House of M is how they were going to bring mutants in the universe. 
how many people do they think is going to get Disney Plus and actually keep up with it, right? Are they expecting these shows to be bigger than Daredevil and such? Feige keeps saying he promised us that these shows would move the narrative of the MCU around so that when you'll have a character in, say, Endgame, when you see them in the next movie after Endgame, they will be different than they were at the end of Endgame. That the shows have consequence. Right. And to me, that's important. Like, yeah, I think they're going to do stuff in it that they will... They will force the movie people. They will work under the assumption that people watching the movies have seen the shows on Disney Plus. If they insist, I don't. It's hard to see because I mean, there's going to be a vast majority of people who don't get Disney Plus, right? I mean, the movies are changing completely than what we've ever seen before, either. So, I don't know. I guess we'll see when it gets here. Yeah, we can talk about this some next week too, as we talk about what's coming next, is how all that stuff will interact. So. All right. I think that does it. Rhiannon, I know it is late there. Thank you for spending a little time on your vacation to to podcast with us. No problem. I missed you guys. And, I mean, this vacation has been a lot of talk about it in game anyways. So. Yeah. <laughs> I will note that it's dark there, correct? It got dark while we were podcasting. It gets dark really, really late here. Oh, see, but even then she's further west. Anyway, I won't go back on that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the podcast. Um, If you want to support us, we'd love for you to support us over at patreon.com slash Marvel News Desk. Subscribe to us on YouTube at watch.marvelnewsdesk.com. Also, feel free to hit us up on Twitter, twitter.com slash Marvel News Desk. All those kinds of things. Leave comments on the webpage. posts and all that kind of stuff thank you for listening to the show thanks to tim cox for our logo thanks to alvin for our theme music and uh hope you're doing well alvin and we'll talk to you guys later